Welcome to the New to Crypto podcast, designed to guide you through the crypto landscape with pinpoint accuracy, created for the new and intermediate crypto investor. Join your host, Crypto Travels Michael, as he takes you through the different facets of getting started and succeeding in your crypto journey. New to Crypto podcast brings you new episodes daily, Monday through Friday, with surprise bonus episodes sometimes on the weekend. Let me ask you, are you new to crypto? Don't know where to start? Are you more experienced but have questions? Then you're in the right place. This podcast is designed for you. Coming at you from the Trading Center in the Lifestyle Design Studio, here's your host, Crypto Travels Michael. Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. No extension required. You can store, manage, and grow your portfolio, get NFTs, and multi-chain support. Download the Brave Privacy Browser at brave.com slash new to crypto and click on the wallet icon to get started. Hey, welcome to today's podcast. Today's episode is one that I haven't had on the show before. It's all about a blockchain and crypto-based next-generation employment system called Opolis. And I'm joined here today with the founder, John Pauler. John, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. Good to see you. Absolutely. Hey, John, before we dive in, can you tell our audience just a little bit about yourself? Sure. I've been in the crypto ecosystem since about 2015, full-time. Before that, I was dabbling in Bitcoin a little bit, but wasn't working in the space. I actually come from HR tech and employment systems. So I was working on some, call it Web2 startup applications. And I had built a, a big staffing company in the state of Colorado that ultimately I've since departed. But you know, I got to know employment pretty well by employing uh, somewhere around 35,000 people in 40 states over about 15 years. So wow. um, we've, yeah, so we, we, we saw a lot when it comes to just the whole employment compliance game, you know, how things work. And then what we're doing now is applying all of those learnings to a Web3 version of employment in this next generation employment ecosystem called Opolis. Okay. And before we dive into some more details, can you share with the audience a little bit about Opolis and, and what it is? Yeah, sure. So one of my favorite topics is the future of work, right? So the future of work, as I say, can't be built on the history of work. And so what's required is a pretty deep and fundamental understanding of how employment works, how compliance works, how regulatory expectations work, and then framing it in a way and building a game design around employment that actually enables the individual worker. Typically right now, we have what, what I refer to as a paternalistic or hierarchical employment system where a corporation sort of takes parental responsibilities over employees, right? It's a, kind of a subjugated model. What we're doing is we've reframed that so that employees or the workers themselves, they're no longer employees really, because I mean, well, they are legally, they are of their own entity, but they become self-sovereign in our ecosystem. So what we do is we replicate the feeling of employment. So W-2s, group healthcare insurance, like all the bells and whistles and all the little features that you like and that you get used to, as an employee, but in this case, you don't give up your independence. So from a legal perspective, you're actually in charge of your own employment, 
And then you can contract out your time and services to organizations that want to pay you to do certain things, but you're, you're not officially a employee of their domain. You're, you're self-sovereign. You're unto yourself. So Web3, uh, of course, is the movement away from these highly centralized, controlling, top-down command and control systems and moving to more distributed or decentralized world. And so what we've effectually done is, is created a legal and compliance system that plays well with the real world, meaning we're not just talking about like, you know, rainbows and unicorns and everything's going to be rosy and peachy with crypto land. Um, but we're actually checking all the boxes that are, that are needed to be checked. But we're, we've created a system that's very friendly to the ethos and framework of uh, where Web3 is going. So in, okay. anybody who's an in, independent worker, whether you're working for a DAO or you could be a real estate agent or a creative or whoever, like do working on NFTs, doesn't matter. It doesn't even have to be in Web3. We've designed an employment ecosystem that makes them the customers instead of corporations. Okay. No, I like the model. Is there a story about how the project originally came about or did it just evolve from, you know, sort of your, your history or past or tell us more about that? So the story starts in 2005. I was building the staffing company at the time. And one of the, you know, the social frictions that I saw was just how temporary workers aren't treated very well. And we were looking at this in the context of our competition and how do we differentiate, right? Like we wanted to create a better service for our client customers. And the path that we chose was like, well, look, what if we treated the workers better? What if we gave them healthcare? What if we, you know, treated them like real people? Wouldn't they then be more loyal and probably more productive? And so we began this quest of, at the time, we were calling democratizing employment. Okay. By, by giving... In the, I first uttered the words democratizing employment in 2005. Now, I didn't have any idea about blockchains or decentralized governance or tokens or any of this these new age tools that we now use to actually create these outcomes. But the idea of creating a more egalitarian, mutualistic employment relationship was hatched, you know, over 15 years ago. I mean, call it 17 years ago. And then the early efforts, though, I became a student of economic game design and incentives. Like, you know, like how do we you know, create economic systems? What are the theories behind certain designs that actually create certain outcomes? And so game theory design became a passion of mine. And one of the things that we learned was, you know, idealism or altruism isn't a game design. It's, it's idealistic, right? It's like the optimal outcome, but you can't just say to people, hey, here's the optimal outcome. Let's do this and expect people to do it. I mean, corporations have their own interests, workers have their own interests. So the players in the employment game, you know, the way that the game has been designed historically wasn't going to create this democratization by itself because there's too many competing interests and misaligned incentives. So what we had to do is concede that a lot of what we were working with is existing sort of methodologies were just not gonna work. And some of the early efforts in democratizing employment through a few different other startups that weren't related to Opolis, we're going to fail. And we came to those conclusions. Like before they actually failed, we came to the conclusion that they would fail because you couldn't scale it, you know, and you could do it on a very small level, but you couldn't scale it to something big. 
Mm-hmm. In other words, there was no hope for systematically democratizing anything. Um, it wasn't going to change anything. It might be a little microcosm of hope for some people, but you know, everybody else on the outside was just going to be you know stuck in the same old thing. So um, it evolved and evolved and evolved. And then by happenstance, I was introduced to a guy by the name of Dmitry Buterin in 2014 in January. I was at an executives conference in San Diego, California, and it just so happened that he happened to be there. And if you don't know who he is, he's the father of Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum. And uh, we just happened to strike up a friendship. You know, he was a tech entrepreneur, I'm a tech entrepreneur, and we were kind of talking shop about things. We didn't talk blockchains or crypto at all, actually. We just kind of stayed in touch. And as I started hearing more about Ethereum and I read the white paper and I started getting ideas, these new tool sets called blockchains and other related tools that come along with it sort of repositioned my thinking around what might be possible and how we could actually approach the problem. Uh, The problem being that the, you know, paternalistic employment system that exists today you know, functionally just will never be democratizable. And it comes with a lot of risk, which creates the control, which, you know, there's just a lot of things about it that will never work. And so once I I kind of, you know, they they call the, you know, journey in crypto kind of going down the rabbit hole. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but yeah. Yeah. I officially went down the rabbit hole in 2015 after I got all the the Ethereum white paper. And it took a little bit of time to marinate and really understand it because my approach to technology, like many entrepreneurs, had always been about uh, creating efficiencies or markets or, you know, data. You know, I didn't really understand the function of blockchains as a decentralization tool and really what that meant socially. But once I did, it was like, you know, big aha moment. And then like, I just exited everything over the next 18 months. And we founded Opolis in August of 2017. So, you know, it was a process. I mean, you couldn't go back and script this stuff, you know, like, yeah, just the kind of chain of events that happened were pretty special in some ways. So we're still on the path to democratize employment, you know, really, it's evolved more now to be less about democratization and more about ownership, right? Like, giving individual workers the ability to have access to what we vision as a global public utility infrastructure for employment that's permissionless and you can just plug in in whatever geography you're in and access the compliance and shared services and benefits that you need to operate your small business uh, for a low fee that's actually member and community owned right but for profit yeah right? so it's not a to that not-for-profit government run thing it's a purebred web3 community-owned tokenized ecosystem that allows people to really, in the end, what this has turned into is um, the idea of democratizing employment really only affords one set of things, and that is to work from where, with whom, and how much you choose to give Mm -hmm. you full control over your creative contribution commercially uh, without having to feel like obligated to plug into some corporate system just to make ends meet, right? Like we want to create a an open employment system that essentially powers commercial activity on for the independent worker and gives them the controls to decide whatever makes sense for them. Okay. Uh, yeah. Thanks for unpacking that. You have some documentation, you know, that this is going to be a first for our listeners. 
John, what is a DEO or decentralized employment organization? Is essentially what you were just explaining? You know, can you unpack? Because people are going to go to your website. They're going to see this. And yeah. this is new. This is new for them. You know, yeah, everyone knows what for the DAO is. But what is a, you yeah. know, a DEO? So, yeah, there, there's a lot of, um, you know, acronyms and, and little cutesy words and stuff that get thrown around crypto. So, like, I'll, I'll try to keep this simple. So, a DEO is a play on PEO. Okay, so PEO is a, uh, a very commonly understood employment industry term called a professional employer organization. And what a PEO is, is a third party that essentially takes on the responsibility of employer, and this is called employer of record, legally speaking, on behalf of small businesses that don't probably have the infrastructure or HR department to be able to handle the compliance, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's a very particular type of entity called a PEO that comes in and says, hey, we'll run your payroll, we'll do your compliance, we'll administer your benefits, and we'll do this in sort of a group procurement methodology and we'll take care of you. Now, this is a B2B sport, right? So this is a business that's talking to another business about their employees and the decisions are being made at a corporate level. So what a DEO is, a decentralized employment organization, is similar services. So it's like payroll and compliance and in our case, crypto payroll functionality and benefits administration, group healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. But it's being done as a, a, a DAO, an employment DAO on behalf of its members who are actually owners of the entity. So there's no third party who is controlling the purse strings, right? It is owned and controlled by the people who use it. Mm-hmm. So think about it like um, with another way to maybe think about it. So DEO, an employment DAO, and then the third way to describe it might be a digital employment cooperative. Okay. So one of the ways that we try to make this accessible for people to understand is think about like REI. So REI, if you know it, is a big outdoor equipment and camping gear store, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows REI. Yeah, I've been in there. And yeah, and, and if you ever buy anything there, you have to become a member right? So you have to pay 20 bucks or whatever it is to become a member. And then depending on what you buy at the end of the year, they're going to send you a profit sharing check, which is called patronage, right? So what we've done is we've pioneered a crypto friendly version of a cooperative. We call it a digital co-op, digital cooperative. And we use that legal wrapper in conjunction with DAO tooling to create this framework that is community owned. So I'm a member of Opolis. I use the services. I get my paycheck from the Employment Commons. I get a W-2 from the Employment Commons. And at the end of the day, I'm also an owner based on the tokenization and the framework that we've built. So there's no boardroom or third party over here that's extracting all the money. I'm paying into a system like REI that's going to share those profits with me at the end of the year, if there are profits, right? We're still really early. So like we're not mature yet, but Mm-hmm. At scale, Opolis could be very profitable and be sharing these profits back to the community in the form of patronage, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's a really interesting model because it's this sort of thing has never been done. But essentially, back to the DEO question, decentralized employment organization is functionally like a PEO, but it's community owned and member driven. Okay. So it's just how we t- it's instead of B two B, it's B two C. Right. So it's okay. the entity is and instead of the B being owned by some other set of people on a cap table, it's owned by the community 
the business is there only to serve the employees in terms of their employment and related services. Okay. And that brings me to the question, you know, uh, you talk about membership on your website. First of all, let's make it clear to the listeners, who exactly is your ideal customer? Are these business owners that need these services? Are these individuals? Is it both? You know, Anybody working independently. So okay. if you're working independently, you are our target audience. Our target audience is not a small business of, of 10 where the owner has now nine subjects, right? Who are, okay. who are st- still sort of trapped in the traditional employment framework. There's 35 mm-hmm. million plus independent workers in the U.S. right now. That's just in the mm-hmm. U.S. These are mm-hmm. real estate agents, creative software developers, independent journalists, traveling nurses, whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Dow workers, you know. Mm-hmm. Graphic designers, coders. Is this available worldwide? Because we have, we have listeners all over the world. We have digital nomads. It will be. It will be. So we are expanding this quarter to uh, Canada and Puerto Rico. And as as we continue to grow, we're going to go across the pond to uh, Europe and UK. And then we've got a lot of interest out of Singapore and India. Okay. Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. What's Web3? Web3 is freedom from big tech and Wall Street. More control and better privacy. But there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. Most wallets are browser extensions, a Web2 technology. That means the same old risks, app spoofing, phishing scams, and theft. Brave Wallet is different. Brave Wallet is the first secure wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. No extension required. With Brave Wallet, you can buy, store, send, and swap assets, manage NFTs, even connect other wallets and dApps, all from the security of the best privacy browser on the market. Whether you're new to crypto or a seasoned pro, it's time to ditch those risky extensions. It's time to switch to Brave Wallet. Download Brave at brave.com forward slash new to crypto and click on the wallet icon to get started. The goal of Opolis is to build a public utility infrastructure globally for employment. So every one of the jurisdictions that we have to that we need to go into takes we have to set up a legal framework, we have to set up compliance, we have to do all that. So it's not just something we can just open the floodgates and just do well out the gate. So we're taking a, an incremental approach, meaning we started it in the US, we're now going to Puerto Rico and Canada this quarter, and then throughout the rest of the year, we're gonna start expanding to other places based on heat map demand. Um, okay. eventually. Eventually, the goal is to be in every country that has demand, right? So um, there are a few countries that make compliance for employment very, very difficult. They're not what I would call employee-friendly places. But, you know, we'll cross those bridges when they come. But, you know, we want to enable the global workforce, which is where everything is going, to work from where, with whom, and how much they choose, right? And, And the commercial protocol of their experience will be opolis because they'll just be able to plug in permissionlessly and have all of the things that they need to be able to function, including benefits, including uh, compliance, including all of the complexities that comes along with the territory of being independent that most people aren't experts in, right? So mm-hmm. we're here to collapse the knowledge gap there and simplify things so that people can have their own choices. No, I like it. I think I think the last two years of the world situation only plays into the growth of this even more. So just it accelerates to be, it. Accelerates Big it time. completely. 
just to be clear for our audience, these are people that already have work and they need these benefits. So if, let's say they're in the United States and you know they work from different places, you know, no digital nomad, for example, right? They already mm-hmm. have like uh, say they're building WordPress sites and or designers, right? They already have their own clientele. So this is gonna basically help assist them. Right. So a lot of times people working, um, there's a saying that people spend too much time working on their business instead of in their business. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, my tax filings and like, where the hell am I going to get healthcare from? And, and how do I deal with uh, retirement plans and like cobble, 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 you know, stuff together. And it takes research and insight and cost and experts and all of this stuff to figure out. Well, what if they could just plug into a vertically integrated stack that's already solved all of that? And it's not aiming at selling you anything. It's aiming at consolidating your life, right? So mm-hmm. simplifying, automating, and creating a, you know, um, simplicity around things that might be typically more complex for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we haven't... His, in H, so I've been in HR tech a long time. We've not really built a lot of tools for independent workers, and the mm-hmm. reason for that is because the money, the procurement dollars who actually buy this stuff come from corporations. Mm-hmm. So most HR tech is always organized around B2B sales. So what we're saying is that the new world is, is B2C. This is about independent workers. And we need to make it easier for people to work in their chosen profession without mm-hmm. these in- hindrances and encumbrances. And so we're just vertically integrating all of these complexities into a single stack and making it super easy to plug and play and set it and forget it. And then boom, you know, mm-hmm. they're off to the races doing things that they like to do versus the things that are more necessary evils to the choices they've made. Awesome. No, I like it. You know, a tremendous percentage of people that even work in crypto and blockchain, they work remote or wherever they happen to be. I, I know it, uh, hundreds of them. Um, you know, where I'm located, they're all remote, you know? All remote. I mean, crypto is a distributed first or remote first space. Mm -hmm. Almost every company that I knew that had a centralized organization or structure has now decentralized. Mm -hmm. We helped MakerDAO decentralize their foundation. They used to have big corporate headquarters in California. They're Mm -hmm. all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw the same thing with Shapeshift here in in, uh, Denver, we helped Shapeshift decentralize their labor force when they decided to go full DAO. And, you know, they went from this highly centralized, you know, office building downtown Denver to like, they're all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. So the future of work is distributed. The future of work is working from home and working flexibly and probably working on more than one project. Mm-hmm. And that structure isn't conducive to so subjugating myself to one corporation in an office mm-hmm. building downtown who offers me benefits in an HR department, like that doesn't Agreed. exist in a DAO. Yeah. And, and people don't want it. They don't really want it. They want to make more choices for themselves as opposed to, you know, and I use this word very intentionally, subjugating themselves to a corporate entity that ultimately controls their time and attention. You know, we're moving out of that, what I call, that, that system was built for safety and security. Mm-hmm. Those social values were really important coming out of the backside of World War II and the Great Depression. Exactly. Those were really important because people were terrified and mm-hmm. having work was like really important. The mortality rate in a steel mill was like 10% annually. Mm-hmm. And like so people like Henry Ford that were creating standardized work weeks and 
and, and benefits packages and all this. This was really innovative stuff back in the day. Mm-hmm. Now it's table stakes and the core element that, ma- that maintain the integrity of that social contract, loyalty, no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Loyalty is a mirage in corporate employee relations. Mm-hmm. The at-will state took over that. And now you can be fired with or without notice at any time in most states. And look at the pandemic. Look at the financial crisis of 2008. Mm-hmm. The youngest populations have seen these things from the sidelines and going like, I don't want anything to do with that crap. And exactly. like they're, they're opting out before they even get into the workforce. Over 50% of the Zoomer population is already working independently full-time. Yeah. And, and they're very, they're very uh, savvy with technology, so it only helps, you know? Yeah. And, and, they, and they're also, the other thing that's happening is, so I would say that we're coming out of from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even the early 2000s what I call the mercenary work culture. Now, what's the mercenary work culture? It's the paycheck culture. It's the means to an end, right? Like whoever pays me the most, sure. I'll go to your office building and I'll spend nine to five there and you can pay me a lot of money and I'm going to go home and I'm going to live my life. Yeah, It's very compartmentalized, right? The it's 40, 40, the, 40 club. Yeah, it's, it's my work life. It's my home life. It's my church life. It's very boxed, right? Now you'll see that work-life integration is happening in real time. And people don't have these traditional schedules. They're doing all sorts of different stuff. You know, a lot of stay-at-home parents that are juggling lots of different things. And they just don't value this sort of structure the way that they used to. And so what you're seeing is because people now have choices, they're also saying like, well, it's also important to me not just to get a paycheck, but to actually align my efforts with something that I care about. So this is the purpose economy that's really early, but you're seeing this calculus happen with the youngest population, the Zoomers, all the time. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go work for Google mm-hmm. because they don't believe in what Google stands for. Mm-hmm. And they don't care that they can make $250,000 by and large. They're like, I don't want to work there because they don't believe in this. This is why so many people are flocking to Web3 because in part, it's kind of the, this early stage of the purpose economy, merging with technology, merging mm-hmm. with n- these new economic systems and more egalitarian ecosystems that actually create fair outcomes and more distributed value creation and all of these different things that are really important to these younger kids. And mm-hmm. I don't say, I mean, they're adults, but I mean, they're, they're younger in terms of their work experience, but they're actually in some ways much wiser about where things are going to go and, and how they're, they're so picky about allocating their time and attention to projects that they care about versus just who will pay them. Mm-hmm. Does it make okay. sense? Definitely makes sense. Let's, uh, let's segue into, I wanted to ask you, how, does, how do your tokens uh, with Opolis tie in to the overall platform and, and what is the work token? Yeah, the work token. So I'm wearing the work token t-shirt here. So uh-huh. this is, um, we just, we just handed these out at East Denver, nice. which is, is a whole nother conversation. I, I founded East Denver in the fall of 2017 and it's turned into its own little crazy adventure of like web three social experiments. We had over 10,000 people airdrop into Denver two weeks ago. Nice. And I mean, it was insane. So the work token, we talk a lot about coordination in Web3, and coordination is a concept in economic theory that basically 
is around incentives, right? And how do we create inputs and outputs, right? Like, so from a game design standpoint, if I want a certain outcome to happen, let's say I'm looking to get, um, as, a, as a business function, let's say Opolis needs to generate referrals, right? So in the Web2 thing, you know, you might offer a $20 referral bonus or you might offer, you know, something else, you know, to get people to do it. But usually it's not, I mean, it's very transactional in Web2. Like it's like, hey, here's 50 bucks, right? And then everybody runs off their own way. The advent of the token creates a whole new opportunity for coordination and next generation game design that allows for much more sustainable and durable uh, coordination mechanisms that create alignment of these incentives over long period, longer periods of time. In other words, it's more sustainable. So we've created a process called payroll mining, which is a system of incentives that basically incentivize our membership to do certain things. Stake tokens, make referrals, and perform their own consumption of services in the ecosystem. So as we grow, and there's only one metric that we really track, which is total payroll volume. We call it ACPV, Annualized Commons Payroll Volume. ACPD is tracked on a periodic basis. There's 24 periods per year, pay cycles, right? And we track the total payroll volume. As we grow, we reward the, the community is rewarded for growth, right? So what creates growth? Well, referrals and consumption, right? So we want individuals to consume more services, put more payroll through the system. So we incentivize that. And then secondly, we want them to bring their friends, right? Because that keeps the costs down on the business to go out and acquire new members. And mm-hmm. it creates a variety of sort of community of communities that builds itself, right? Mm-hmm. So the tokenomics of, of the work token align to create the appropriate incentives for our members to actually build the commons itself. So Okay. The goal is we don't want to go out and hire a bunch of salespeople to like try to convince people to come become members of Opolis. The, the most powerful salespeople are your friends, right? And if they're using Opolis and it's beneficial for them and their family, hey, I'm saving 300 bucks a month on my healthcare. It's better coverage. I'm getting these tokens just for running my payroll. And like I got to work from where with whom and how much I choose. And it's, it's owned by me. It's not a hard sell. Like anybody who's working mm-hmm. independently is like, hey, I want to do that too. Like that sounds pretty cool. And yeah. so um, the token is this coordination mechanism that actually incentivizes people to do the things that we want to see happen in the community. And then also ultimately is the economic unit of account that actually rewards people with profits and economics as the value of the commons continues to grow. Okay. It's a mechanism of of ownership. And really the more tokens you have, the more right to profit you have. Can you break down how the staking works with the token, uh, you know, with the work token? Like how how does that work? Share that for our listeners. Yeah. So one of the things that exists in, in the world of tokens is this thing called sell pressure. And so, you know, when you're sitting around with a stack of tokens and you're like, okay, well, what do I do with these things? You know, one of the common activities that communities will create is opportunity for their participants is a staking reward. Now, what does staking do? Staking is kind of like a savings account, right? So banks incentivize you to put money in a CD or a savings account. They'll give you a teeny little piece of interest to do it, right? You make a return. 
Well, in, in our mechanism of payroll mining, the stakers are rewarded as we hit our growth metrics, right? So keeping those tokens inside the community instead of on some exchange somewhere or floating around, like we're actually incentivizing those tokens to go to work because what it really represents is confidence in the network, right? So when you're staking your tokens, you're like, I believe in this project, I'm going to get a return for doing this. So it's, it's economically uh, rewarding for all parties, mm-hmm. but it's something that acts like a savings account for people. So it gives you a return. There's no structured return. It's not like we're offering 5% APY or something. It mm-hmm. depends mm-hmm. on how quickly we grow. So if we okay. grow fast, then um, there's a lot of reward. If we don't, then there's not, right? Mm-hmm. So again, then it incentivizes everybody to be thinking about, well, how do we grow more? How do we grow faster? Because I want to get these rewards. Absolutely. Absolutely. A question that our listeners may be, may be asking is, is the membership paid with the work token or is it paid in crypto? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, so there's, a, there's a variety of options. So, I mean, we do charge a 1% community sustainability fee in fiat, right? So in US dollars, mm-hmm. you can pay that in USDC or in Ether or however you want to pay it, but it's billed to you in fiat dollar denomination. Mm-hmm. Now that 1% community sustainability fee is to keep the lights on, right? We've got administrative mm-hmm. things to pay for, staff to pay for, all these things to pay for. So as a Open consumption fee only, yeah, opening new countries, mm-hmm. whatever. As a consumption fee, you're paying 1%, mm-hmm. right? And you're paying that to the commons as part of your payroll cycle. It's like an administrative fee that you know any other payroll company would charge you. We just Our taxonomy is different because... It's not about making profit here as much in these days. It's about sustainability. So uh, 1%. Now, the join fee is 20 bucks. It's super high bar, right? Most of that is like just checking a box on compliance Okay. for the co-op, right? So we have, you know, there's a small fee to become a member. But other than that, there's, there's no other fees. So it's only the $20 to join and 1%. Whenever you run payroll, now, if you don't run payroll, you can't stay current with your healthcare. So we find that people do run their payroll quite frequently. Okay. And there's 24 payroll cycles a year. So I think you can miss a cycle here and there and still stay active on your healthcare. But for the most part, the way group healthcare works is you have to stay active as an employee. In order to do that, you have to run your payroll, which means okay. you have to you have to you have to run your payroll. But for our purposes, you know, we try to keep the costs very low. There's no hidden fees. There's no bullshit. It's community owned, right? So like a credit union or like REI, everything's very transparent because our primary motivation here is not to maximize profit. Mm-hmm. It's to maximize value to our membership. Okay. Awesome. John, in closing, is there anything that like you want to share with the listeners, maybe your roadmap? As you build out more, you'd mentioned some things you have coming in uh, the next quarter, but uh, you know, is there anything else you want to share with the audience? Well, a lot of people think that they can't become a member of the, of the commons without being an employee member, but there is actually a way to be what we call a coalition member. It's still $20 to join. But if you're a person or an organization who's in support of the future of the self-sovereign worker, which is really our ethos, which is really our purpose to support the future of those folks, then you can become a coalition member and make referrals and still participate in payroll mining and staking and all the other fun things. The only thing that you're not doing is personally getting a paycheck from the commons. 
Nice. Um, but you you can do that in, in sort of a staged approach. So like, for example, we've got people right now who are working in full-time W-2 jobs elsewhere, but they're coalition members and they're referring all their friends because they want to do the payroll mining for all of those friends that they have. And they have plans to join the commons themselves later this year, right? So it's just, you know, you don't have to wait, in other words, to do that. Okay. The other thing that I would suggest is, you know, Opolis is a really interesting case study in, you know, beyond just the kind of window dressing of employment and democratization of, of work and all of these, uh, you know, other things that we talk about. It's a really interesting design for game theory and for token economics. So mm -hmm. if you have interest in those subjects, we've also pioneered the use of a U.S. legal entity to legally tokenize a community without being a security. Okay. So these are things I would, you know, take a look. These are all published on our website. In the footer of our main website, there's a section called Nerd Stuff. And our off-white paper and our token economics paper are there. Okay. Uh, these are things that we, we openly publish to the community because we see it as um, a template that we've built that other communities might want to think about and possibly borrow some things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. We've spent a lot of time contemplating these subjects and putting thoughtfulness into like actually designing a sustainable you know, architecture, both legally and technologically. Mm -hmm. um, for both benev benevolence and economics, right? To make sure that we're really threading the needle appropriately. So it's a very interesting conversation. You can also join our Discord. You can find that link on our website at opolis.co. Uh, Discord has got some really interesting conversations. If you're not ready to join the commons or if you have questions about what it is, that's where we hang out, right? So Discord awesome. is a very cool, friendly place. And then, of course, you can always go and look out for our shit posting on Twitter. Crypto Twitter is always a fun place to go and experience everything Web3. But, you know, Opolis and, and myself, we, we have a pretty significant presence there. And we're always trying to be active and engage people in conversation. Okay. Awesome. Well, we'll we definitely have all, the, all your links as well on today's uh, blog post page. And I love that self-sovereign self worker. You know, that is... Uh, yeah, I that's cool. It is now. cool. Yeah. We're going to quote you on the, on the blog post page for that one. You know, yeah, John, feel was, free. Absolutely. John, it was a pleasure to have you here. And uh, thanks for coming out and, and really unpacking this. This is actually a new concept to a lot of listeners. So it was a pleasure to have you here today. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, if you like today's episode, definitely like and subscribe to the podcast and chime in here tomorrow for another special episode. Until then, make it a great day. Thanks for tuning in to New to Crypto Podcast. If you like the episode, be sure to follow and subscribe. You can listen to every episode on all major platforms. Have an interest in being on the show or want advertising? Reach out at newtocrypto.io. Head over to our site, newtocrypto.io, to access the resources mentioned in each episode. Until next time, remember to navigate the crypto landscape with pinpoint accuracy.